wasting our debates again. Sure, why not? What's up, Brad? What's going on, Andrew? Not much. Welcome to episode 143 of Auto Off Topic. Excellent. Um, our theme of getting numbers wrong carried over to Instagram yesterday. I apologize. Yeah. That's all right. I suggest that people listen to the wrong number episode to hear a story. Well, you know, it tells us people are listening because they know the episodes better than we do. Uh, apparently, yes. I listen to them real quick after we do it, and then that Just to make sure sound it. quality is yep, fine. That's about it. But uh, gotcha. we were um, we were just talking about Malay's era. Yes. And like some people describe it as like 72 to 95. So specifically, there's a Facebook group dedicated to Malay's era cars. Yeah. Um, and their definition is 72 to 95. Yeah. So. And I, I want to make it clear, I'm not trashing them because it's a cool group. It's a great group. I'm it's just, one of my favorite Facebook groups. I actually. just have a different opinion in, in the in the, of the era. cesspool that is Facebook. Malay's Motors is one of my favorite Facebook groups because right. they're pretty they're pretty open to most terrible cars. Yeah, because of the description of the name. No, I just have a I have a different opinion of when the era actually is. I think I agree with you. I think that ninety five, ninety six is too late. Far so too late. So the thinking is that OBD two came out. In 95 and whole, across the board in 96. So they're saying that Malay's era cars went from 72 when the gas crisis was hitting until OBD2. So that's why they say it went that late. See, I don't think cars got magically better with OBD2. No. They stayed about the same from 1990 through the end of the 90s. Yeah. Um, It wasn't until the 2000s. Even a 2000 car is kind of like simple. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't until I feel like 05 is like the last true OBD2 car. Okay. And then they got kind of crazy, especially like in 07 when you had to add TPMS systems. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's just been spiraling. Spiraling out of control. Not out of control, but it's... No, it's a little out of control. Every car has a backup camera now. Like not every Federally car mandated. A, yeah, not every car needs a backup camera. Everything has tra- uh, traction control, cruise control, well, traction control... Um, ABS, ABS, everything has to have it. Yeah. ABS is fine because some. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not disputing the technology is good. Like, I'm just saying it shouldn't be mandated. Like the ABS systems in Evos and STIs, the first ones that came here was very good. Yeah, well, a lot of sports cars still have a, a decent system that doesn't. It, it can kind of tell when you're playing with the car versus not trying to die, so that helps. But. Going back to the Malays thing. So the Malays era car, 72 to 95, is the accepted range on the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, other arguments say that 83 was the end of Malays era because when cars became computer controlled. To me, that's when it makes sense. It makes more sense, I think, mm-hmm. um, because from 83 on, there were remar- like market improvements in cars each year. Yes. Like you know, a pre-83 5-liter Mustang Still you know, a- with a carburetor. Is a yeah. you know 150 horsepower car? Yeah, right, exactly. After '83, in whatever year, I, I don't know Mustangs well enough to talk on which year they became fuel injected. Was it '83? Maybe they might have had a throttle body. Anyway, they went up every year a little bit, and they yeah. got better and better and better until the Fox body Mustang ended. So I think that the improvements started then significantly. The manufacturers were starting to figure out when. We're starting to figure out how to make power again after being like completely throttled 
in 72, 73 by emission standards yeah. and then the gas crisis. Exactly. So we talk about, um, we spent a lot of time last week or last episode talking about your Cadillac. I see the Cadillac as that's 100% Malay's era car. It's the, it's the definition it of Malay's era. It doesn't do much of anything good. It's excess for no reason. Yeah. It's a 500 cubic inch car that makes 180 horsepower. Mm-hmm. It's a four passenger, well, five passenger, I guess. Or is it a bench seat, six passenger? It's technically it's six a bench passenger. seat in the front. You can probably fit six people so you in You can squeeze it. six people in it, but it's a two-door coupe that's 25 feet long and 5,000 pounds. Yeah. Like, it's not... The, the car doesn't have any reason to exist. Yeah. It just does. It's just... It's a giant personally, personal luxury vehicle. Personal land yacht. And, in, and like, I think you were talking about it off before we started recording that it doesn't even luxury well. Like, it kind of floats down the road like a luxury car. It doesn't have a lot of it's luxury got, options. Le- it's got leather seats, but yeah. that's where the luxury ends. You know, nowadays you can get leather seats and air conditioning in a $15,000 yeah. Mirage. <laughs> like, But it's like super cool because it exists now. So Yeah, it's turned the corner. Exactly. There was a time period where you couldn't give me a 75 Cadillac Eldorado. No. But, but I mean, now it's like... Now I'd unironically drive one. Yeah, totally. And I will. Yeah, exactly. You have the opportunity to, so you might as well. But I see some stuff, and uh, I don't want to disparage anyone, but I just see certain cars posted to the Malays group, and, it, and they have the same problem where people are like, is this Malays? And it's like... Yeah, it's just, it's just like Radwood. It's like, no, stop. Just yeah. stop. Just just enjoy it. Just Post it. If it stays up, that means that the moderators are fine with it, and talk about it. If yeah. it doesn't stay up, then the moderators weren't fine with it, yeah. and it's their group, their decision. Yeah. It's the same with Radwood. Yeah. Don't ask. Just, just post what you think is good. So the other thing that defines a Malay's era car, in my opinion, is their American cars. Yes. Because, you know, the, the whole definition of Malay's is kind of like not caring, like just laissez-faire. So that was American car manufacturers in the 70s. Yeah, I don't see it like, I was thinking about it today when I was driving the Galant to Cars and Coffee. I was like, man, when this car came out, it had all the technology that Mitsubishi had mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Four-wheel steering, ABS, all-wheel drive, turbo, everything. And this was definitely not a Malay's car. Like, it had performance. It had, like, exceptional it's performance. It's not American either. It's not American either. And it had exceptional performance for the time it was released. It's even, it's even acceptable now, performance-wise. Yeah. So, what I was getting at, though, with, you know, me, me the, the definition of Malay's and American cars is... I don't think that Japanese and European cars count as Malay's cars because they were the reason that American cars were considered Malay's because the American cars were here and they were the same since the dawn of time. And all these Japanese and European cars were coming in with better technology, better fuel mileage, better power to cubic inch ratio. And it it gave the American manufacturers a reason to need to improve. I'd probably say from 1970 is when the imports really started to have a foothold. They started a little bit in the, they, in the, in the early 70s, but did. it was the gas crisis that really yeah. brought them yeah. full sail. So they, and also it be, had a lot to do with the fact that... You were a real outsider in the early 70s, pre-gas crisis, and yeah. you bought an imported car. It had a lot to do with the fact that the era that was growing up then, people that were becoming old enough to buy their first car, had the money to spend on a car weren't the same people that fought in World War Two and were stuck on, this car came from Japan, or this car came from Germany, or mm-hmm. that, that mentality was starting to... I mean, it still exists today, but it was starting to fade a little bit, and it gave 
the foreign cars. And well, even that them. mentality is is even different, where people don't want to buy Japanese cars, but they're totally okay with German cars. And you're like, mm, okay. yeah, well, there's a you're like, oh, okay, yeah, a little double standard there. Yeah, well, um, I've actually had that conversation with an older gentleman before, and his reasoning was Pearl Harbor, straight up. That's what he said. Okay, Germans didn't bomb Pearl Harbor. Nah, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> there was a there was a thing called the Holocaust. Yeah, but, okay. but whatever. I guess if it doesn't affect, didn't affect you, so that didn't happen, huh? Yeah. But anyway, that's a whole other story or a whole other day. So, but yeah, that's, so I think that Malaysia cars are specifically American cars, um, and it really is the era of the mid to late seventies is where it was like it's extreme. Yeah. So the cars were just terrible. There wasn't any. Yeah, once catalytic converters came out and they didn't know how to deal with them in yeah. the beginning, they just they had to put them on there. And there's the, the, and there's your Japanese car being so much more efficient. You had Honda come out with a car that didn't require a catalytic converter because it burned clean enough. So they looked for ways. The Japanese manufacturers, other foreign manufacturers, looked for ways to make the cars more efficient to run without catalytic converters. Well, like American cars, they were just, just throwing put them a on there. Catalytic converter on there. Yeah, just because they, I don't know, if, I mean, the economy wasn't that great at the time, like, they just didn't have the money to spend on these cars. I mean, we could do a whole episode on the CVCC Honda technology Mm. that made the car run clean enough at the time to not require a catalytic converter and pass all the same standards with flying colors that an American car needed to be choked to death with smog pumps and catalytic converters to create. Yeah, and then, of course, because two catalytic converters were expensive, true dual exhaust went away. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of the performance went away. The performance went away because it had to be, uh, there was another spinning device, the smog pump, and it had to go through a catalytic converter. And they also put two barrel carburetors and everything because gas was so expensive. expensive. (laughs) So it just went from, you can see the drop down from especially 72 to 73 Mm -hmm. in American car performance numbers and horsepower figures. So, but yeah. Especially, right? You get the late 60s where you've got manufacturers underrating their horsepower on purpose. And then for insurance reasons, for insurance reasons, because the cars were making like suspected, like some cars are making 500 400, horsepower, 400, yeah. 500 horsepower. Yeah. And then you've got by the mid seventies they are down to 150, 180 and even less in most cases. That yeah. was the outside, the outside cars were making 150, 180 yeah, a V8. What cracks me up more than anything else is it's no secret that I love Dodge Colts. Right. Which are Mitsubishi's. Right. Um, but if you went to a Dodge dealer in 1978, and you're like, I want to buy a brand new Dodge Aspen with a 318. Mm-hmm. Or I want to buy a brand new Dodge Colt with a 1.6 liter four-cylinder. Right. They made, the the big Aspen made like 15 horsepower more. I know, it's crazy. And it's sold in the same dealership and just shows the disparity in technology. And, you, and again, another thing I always talk about is my first car was an 85 Cutlass. Driving in an 85 Mitsubishi Starion, mm-hmm. you would never even consider the fact that they were built the same year. Because the technology in the Cutlass was no different than the 1964 Cutlass. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about that after our episode, our last one, where we were talking about the 75 Cadillac. And I was like, man, can you, like, and the last time the Cadillac was on the road was like 85. So those two cars were around here on the road at the same time. Yep. There's a possibility they, like, Passed drove each by other. each other. They were both in Peabody. <laughs> yeah. And, like, those cars couldn't be more different. No. No, you talk about what the Cadillac lacked in everything. 
that starring him has everything that the Cadillac has luxury feature wise plus, except for obviously the floaty ride. Yeah. Sports car. But I mean, it's got leather, it's got air conditioning, it's got power windows. Um, I don't and know. The crazy trip computer. Yeah, like, the crazy trip computer. Power the, mirrors. Yeah. Actually, the. Has more luxury options. Cadillac doesn't even have power mirrors. Actually, I mean, it, like does Cadillac have auto AC? Yes. Okay. It does. Because the Starion does. It does too. have auto AC. But anyway. What I'm saying is that my 85 Cutlass and my 85, 84 Starion, whatever, the same car as 85, it's actually even earlier than the Cutlass. Yeah. It just, there's so much technology difference yeah, in the two weird. cars. And there's probably parts on an 85 Cutlass that fit a 65 Cutlass. Like, it's yeah. the same car underneath, essentially. Well, a small block, right? So a GM well, mine small block. a small block, but, but yeah. was a 3.8 V6. But a GM, a GM powertrain would bolt into it from... Oh, yeah. Any without, number of years. Without even modifying anything. Just buying a different set of engine mounts, probably. But Speaking of that Starion. Yes. We worked on it some more. We did. I think we talked about hanging the whole nose on it. Did we have the bumper on? Please. That way so, All recap. Right. Quick recap. Bumpers, uh, fenders on, bumpers on. Yep. The Bumper beam is, well... A little fe- crooked. We still got to fix that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think I need to tug that frame rail just a little bit more to get it in line. Yeah, it's... It's just the end like of, half an inch. Yeah, it's just the end of the rail. It's not the rail back under the car. Yeah. Um, it just needs to be removed a little bit. We, on one side, the fenders... Well, actually, I got lucky. Two, one of each of the two fender bolts on each side Eventually actually came, came out. Came yeah. out. So we were able to reuse those. And the one side we were happy with, we just riveted on the yep. other part because it had two bolts. But yep, so it's one bolt and one rivet now. Yeah, because if it needs to come off the rivet, it's easy to drill out. Drill out a rivet and put it back in the same hole and we're done. Mm-hmm. Not a uh, big deal. Yeah, and then we started to weld behind the driver's seat. That must have been a big rotted panel. Is that why you cut it off? Yes. Um, I probably cut more than I needed to because the original intention. So if you go back to when I first started working on that car. You're doing a full resto. I, and I was working on it with somebody who was very experienced with restoring cars. Yes. Um, and he was going through the whole process with me, teaching me how to replace panels. So we cut off far beyond the rusted area in mm-hmm. order to replace the panel just to make sure we had all clean metal all the way around. Right. So the spot we had to replace was, it was probably, so from the transmission tunnel to the rocker panel, the inner rocker panel, yeah, was like rotted away, like separated from the upright part of the rear floor. Okay. Um, so we just cut like two or three inches away from there and then straight across. Yeah. So... Yeah, and it ended up being, it's a panel that's like a foot and a half by six inches. Yep. Yep, which actually was pretty good for our first, like, real welding job on our own. So we actually salvaged. A good size piece. We cut a piece of metal from the old original fender. fender. Yep. So it's kind of funny. It's the same steel from the car. Yeah, it's <laughs> all, like, like you said, we can advertise it when we sell it later on. All yeah. original metal. Yeah. <laughs> Just in different places. Nobody's buying that car. <laughs> no, that car is with me to the end of time. Um, also, I got a cordless Ryobi four and a half inch grinder mm-hmm. that you can put a grinding. It's an eighteen volt. You put a cutting wheel, a grinding wheel, eighteen volt. Yeah, the Ryobi one system. Yeah. Jordan actually turned us on to these. Um, yeah, because they're pretty much giving them away. Actually, they are giving them away right now. Yeah, at Home Depot. At Home Depot, you buy two batteries, get a free tool. You put a flap disc on it. I mean, this thing. We used a like a Harbor Freight cutting disc, and it it like ripped through that disc, and but it yeah. ripped through the fender like super fast. So it was a Harbor Freight cutting disc for steel. Yeah, 
and we made like one one foot long cut in the fender. It was which a is, four and a half very thin sheet metal. Yeah, it was a four and a half inch disc. It was down to like an inch and a half. Yeah, it was very small. By the time it was done, yeah, don't do not recommend Harbor Freight cutoff wheels. No, but this grinder, <laughs> this angle grinder, I mean, not having to deal with an air hose, not having to deal with an electric cord. Yeah, it's a good deal. Oh my god, such yeah. a good tool, and I have the impact too to go with it. Mm-hmm. And I bought the inflator. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ones that you. Yeah, get I'm actually upset it. that I have a Milwaukee impact right now because I wish I had the Ryobi one. Yeah, because <laughs> because of the deal, I just add everything else. Yeah, because unfortunately, the Milwaukee. Uh, angle grinder is like four times the money as the Ryobi. Oh, this thing works awesome. Yeah, for the money, it's great. Um, and I mean, then, don't get me wrong. I love my Milwaukee yeah. Impact. It's great. but So we cut that out, cleaned up the metal. Um, my dad's got a, a 220 welder. Um, mm-hmm. And we're like, now's the time to learn. I'm to do it now. Uh, I've I've toyed with it before. Like I said, when I first yeah, started I, working on the car. I talked about car. taking the class. Yeah. When I, when I first started working on the car, I was working with somebody who was a very good welder and he was showing me the ropes um so he shot me taught me how to use the welder and how to weld but he didn't teach me the nuances of wire speed gas pressure and it takes practice yeah it just takes practice to learn all that uh we had a couple good welds couple garbage ones but the panel's in there at the end of the day the panel's not going anywhere no and once we seam seal it and paint it and put the carpet back over it Nobody will be the That's wiser. That's why we started with the interior one. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that you got to start somewhere. You yeah. Get, <laughs> yeah. You don't learn anything by not doing it. Nobody was born being a master welder. So right. somebody probably was. I guess. Maybe. Somebody was with there, picked up a welding stick. Somebody is like, a. Mm, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Somebody is a, um, a protege. Yeah. Welding protege. Yeah. Um, at 38 years old, starting it, I don't think I'm going to be a protege. I, I think I've passed protege stage for everything. Yeah, but I think if you do it long enough, you'll be serviceable pretty good. Yeah, I'll be able to make a passable weld. I mean, we already can. Both of us had, did make passable welds. Yeah. You know, and I've gotten work done at professional shops that didn't look any worse than, yeah. or any better than what I just exactly. did yesterday. You know, look at the exhaust of my Sapporo. Outside of the car, it might be a little better, a little easier. Well, we're not going to be working with funny angles. Yeah. And it'll be easier to clean the metal. Yeah. So, but then instead of seam sealer, we're well, we'll still seam seal it somehow. But then we'll we're just gonna bond to it and sand it. You'll never know the difference. <laughs> Maybe well, you we are. You have to. All right. You have to cover it, or else it'll just fall off later when it rots away. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But it's never gonna be perfect. But the car's gonna be driven. I'm happy to keep practicing it. Yeah, it's a perfect car to practice on because it's already ruined. We can only make it better. Oh, we ruined it. Yeah, we can only make it better. We didn't ruin it. New England, Big Salt ruined it. Yeah. And, and then Ultima Driver ruined it. And then Ultima ruined it. Further. Yeah. So it's coming along one step at a time. Um, I think, I hope to have it serviceable by the end of the week. We'll see. Yeah. It's a tight deadline. I think we'll at least have the floors done by the end of the week. Um, that shouldn't be the, an issue. Having the floors done is a big deal because then the interior can go we back. Can put together. the interior back in it, yeah, and then the outside can get done slower as we go along with it. Yeah. So, I was gonna be sneaky and register it in Arizona, so I could just drive it here without getting a mass inspection sticker, so I didn't have to like rush through fixing the outside bodywork. Yeah. But it turns out in Arizona, 
in Phoenix, you need emissions on an 83, mm. and they won't issue you a permanent plate until it passes emissions. Mm. So the car's not in Arizona, so I can't get a permanent plate. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it will pass emissions. It has all its factory emissions equipment. I'm not cheating emissions. I just didn't want to fix the rust hole in the quarter panel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but whatever. We'll get there. It'll work. It should work. So, um, I mean, it already works. Yeah, it does work. Yeah. That's the thing. That's it starts and runs. It. Yeah. Uh, well, well, that's an important part, too. we got to fix the rust hole in the passenger side fender well. The one that, when it rains, gets the ECU wet, so it doesn't start then. Yes. Uh, and important. the you got to replace the terminals because they're not tight enough on the battery. Oh, that's a 10-minute job at the end mm-hmm. of the welding day. So, I feel like all the uh, all your cars are always, at some point, need terminals. It's not my fault. It's just old. Ah, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Man, I just got wicked deja vu from saying that. That's just the way it is? Yeah. Something no, never from, change. from about... Battery terminals. Oh, because we just did them on the... Felt like we've done this before. Purple car, like a month ago. We've done it on a bunch of them. And the Blue Colt last year. Weird. And the Camaro two years ago. <laughs> yeah, we have. But they're all old. Yeah. So, different battery terminal size, different battery post sizes, and they wear out. So I tried uh, using Facebook Marketplace to sell my old Rotas. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I got tons of action, like, almost instantly. Yeah, this is a discussion based on our uh, lack of Craigslist ads now. Yeah. Well, oh, I you can still sell parts for free on Craigslist. Yeah, I know, but I've never had good luck. I've I've posted these wheels before for, like, 400 bucks, mm-hmm. And I was, like, moving stuff around the garage today. I was, like, I just want these gone. Right. So if anybody wants a set of 17-inch Rotas, 5x114. Yeah. <laughs> with, with, with tires that hold air. Junk tires. They hold air. Yeah. You can drive to the tire, tire store, store. Yeah. and have them replaced. 200 bucks for all four, but you got to come get them. Right. And that's why I got them on Facebook Marketplace for. Right. It brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> it certainly did. All the people that, my favorite was the one you sent me earlier. It's like, I have a Corolla. Will these fit? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, well, I live two and a half hours away. Can I drive there and see if they fit? And I'll buy them if I they do. I was like, sure. Yeah, you're welcome to. Sure. <laughs> I'll I'll hand you a tire iron and you can use my jack. Yep. I'm not taking it off for you. <laughs> I'm not doing I'm... any work for $200. <laughs> nope. If these are $1,000. I might pump the jack. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is all on you. I'm not tightening your wheel back down. You can do that too. Yep. No expressed warranty and if your wheel falls off, it's on you. Yeah. But will they fit? I don't know. Will they? Yeah. Look it up. I gave you the I gave you the size, and the bolt cu- pattern, and the backspacing. A couple of people I was like, I'm not uh for how cheap these are, I'm not holding them for anybody unless they tell me they're on their way here. Right. And even then there's a time limit. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Hey, whatever. $200 for a decent set of 17-inch wheels with tires to hold there is a bargain any day of the week. Yeah. Rotas, just, rotas are not. They're just, they're in my way. Yep. I'm, You're never going to use them again. They're out of they're out of your style now. I've had them. So, that's the other thing there. I bought them brand new in 2003. Mm-hmm. I, was thinking, I was like, oh, they're 16 years old. Yep. They look great. This is curb rash on one of them. Minor. Minor. That's it. But they're $200. They're $200. They're the best $200 wheel in the market right they're now. They're not corroded. Yeah. They're not shit. They've never been driven in the winter. I guarantee you won't find another set of tw- of 17-inch wheels in better shape for $200. Exactly. Um, and they're just, I just want them out of my garage. Right. And you successfully sold your seats, too. I did. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, I tried that. Those things, like, oh, my gosh. Well, my phone, you, my you, phone, like instantly blew up with because you underpriced them by four hundred dollars. I guess I did, but that's uh, it's like what I paid for them. Yep. Because the other guy couldn't move them at that price, so I figured that's what they were worth. Yeah. Well, 
They didn't go far. They stayed in the family. Yeah. So it's fine. They'll be a starian soon. I mean, what? <laughs> All right. Cool. Um, Seacoast Cars and Coffee was today. Yes. The day we're recording this. Yep. Uh, Sunday the 2nd. It was my the, last New England cars and coffee before I move. It was so very I, New England. We're going to talk about the weather. It definitely was, had to go. It was supposed to be sunny and bright, but yep. they didn't count on it being, because it's near the ocean, foggy and drizzly. Really foggy. Like, there's probably a quarter mile of visibility the whole way there. And a couple points, yeah. Yeah. And not like a downpour, but just 100% moisture. Yep. Which is also typical New England. Yeah. Just wet air all the time. Mm-hmm. So surprisingly good turnout for the amount of I think it was moisture. packed. I don't think there was like a free spot. I think people are just f- like fed up with the weather we've had this spring. Yeah, like okay, it's good enough. Yeah, <laughs> we're it's, going. It's yeah. not cold-ish. It's fifty-two, so it's yep. not freezing. So we'll go. Right. And yeah, it's not pouring rain, so we'll go. Yeah. Uh, and just about everything was there. Every type of car. Yeah, from a hot rod of the 30s Mercedes to, obviously, the brand new Camaros, Mustangs, and Challengers. Yep. Uh, some Ferraris, Porsches. Oh, yeah. Everything in between. Just everything. So, there was 75% garbage. Yeah, that's typical. Yeah. And 25%. I'd say 75% garbage, 25% things that we'd look at, and 5% things we'd own. Yeah. It's probably a good way to look at it. But that's the way Cars and Coffee works. It's it show up with what you got. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't hate the garbage being there. It fills the parking lot. Yeah, and this is a for-profit show. Like they don't charge entrance to get in, but they have like vendors, and I think the mall has something to do with it. And they actually they have a coffee shop in the mall now. I don't know. The mall is like, uh, it, it's like the Stranger Things mall. They're gonna have this season. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's it's old and dead. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's the Fox Run Mall in Newington, New Hampshire. For anybody who's curious, um, it's an old mall for sure. Yeah. Like it's 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 an old enough mall that rent is cheap enough that Seacoast Cars and Coffee rented a storefront to put a coffee shop in. Sure. Big enough to park cars in. Yeah. So but it's not open when Seacoast Cars and Coffee is going on, which is confusing to me. Well, regardless, they have a giant parking lot. Yep. Easy access to the highway. Yep. There are probably 300 cars today. Easily. Yeah. Without it's, exaggerating. It's one of the it's actually probably one of the best cars and coffees around here. It's the biggest for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the biggest. So, um, yeah, I took the Galant. You took the Colt. Mm-hmm. Your dad came with the, what Celica was that? 83? 83 Celica GT. Yeah. White. Yep. It's a minty car. Yep. Um, it's only got 60,000 miles on it, I think. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. There was, th- what was wrong with it? Was there Three or four third-gen Supers there. there. Four third-gen Supers. Three that were like bone stock with a 7M and everything. Yeah. And one that was 2J-swapped. Yeah. So those were really cool. And one of them was like, most were clean. Mm-hmm. One was like super clean. Like showroom fresh. Yeah. Um, Those cars are coming up in my brain. Like for mm-hmm. a while they're kind of like, eh. But a nice clean turbo car is nice. There's a couple of Mark IVs. Uh, the Mini we posted. Mm-hmm. Um, was super cool. The black Chevy C10, like a 72-ish. Cayenne. Yeah. The wood inlay. Yep, the real thin strip of wood inlay, like one inch wide. Yeah, the interior had a houndstooth on the bench. Mm -hmm. And then he pops the hood. We're watching him. He's like wiping the thing down. He pops it down. It's got an LS swap. Yep. Which is the perfect vehicle for an LS swap. And it was like dumped on the ground with a great stance. Yep. Like it was like street street truck style. Yep. Was Was it a long bed? I think it was a long bed. I don't even remember. 
was super seam it long. Was super super straight, super black. So it was nice. Yeah, like mirror black finish. Awesome. Um, that what fifty four Cadillac was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Just a four door. Big dumb car. Yeah, just it's the cool mix of stuff like that. Yeah, it was parked next to a Type Three, Type Three, Type Two. I forget what way it works. I think Type Three Volkswagen Fastback. That was just like a ratty style. Air ride, air ride, dark cool. green, yeah, big yeah. steel wheels, neat stuff. Mm-hmm. And then driving home, right? I saw a Qualve Mangusta. I haven't seen a Qualve Mangusta in person since they were like new. I'm trying to remember what that looks like. Um, think of the ugliest car I've ever seen, and then make it uglier, and that's a Qualve Mangusta. I think it's Q V A U L E. If you're googling it right now, Andrew, which I think you are, I am. Oh, it's a t- oh, I remember these. It's terrible, right? Wow, so nineties. Yeah, there was a yellow one. So so nineties. There was a yellow one driving down the street. Actually, it's here, like here in PBD was on my way home. You know, it's like man, it's like a. Uh, it looks like a catfish. Yeah, the front of it, it looks like the. T- it's got two it, little beady it eyes. It looks like the nineties Mercury Capri, and then. Like it was injected with air. It was like a Mercury Capri, but then Panos is like, we're going to make a sports car out of this. Yeah. And it gets weird. Except it was some Middle Eastern guy named Qualve. Oh, weird. Who did it instead? Not Panos. It was Italian. Was it, it? Was it Italian? I don't know what it was. Probably Italian was, designed. Well, Mangusta harkens back to the De Tommaso Mangusta. So strange. What a strange car. Yeah. I don't know the history of it. Although it, it it's like an unattractive FTO. It does kind of look like an FTO. Yeah, but the FTO is actually much better looking. It's just like a really weird... It's like maybe if Panos... No, I'm sorry, not Panos. If... uh, uh, Is it Pagani? If Pagani was to do an economy car, this is what it would look like. Right? I guess. Oh, the interior looks like a Mustang... Like a SN95 I'm sure a lot Mustang. Of Ford parts in there. I I think the steering wheel is a like a Ford part. That's what that looks like. I don't know. Looking at pictures, the engine looks like a Ford engine. It is. It's a 4.6 liter Cobra. So okay. they were built from '99 to 2002. So they're Jesus. But they were clearly designed 10 years prior to that. 100. percent I thought if you had told me they were built in 1992 to 1994, they I made would have been 284 of them worldwide. Wow. So the fact that I saw one driving down the street today in Peabody was weird. It was a yellow one, too. Hmm. I just haven't seen one since then. I don't think they're worth anything, either, because they're terrible. <laughs> they're not good cars. Yep. So... Like they're worth about 20 grand. Man, weird. Um. Yeah, anyway. Anything else? No. Not a lot, not a lot going on this week. It's been a very busy week. The non-car thing, so I don't have a lot to want to go on here. No, just want to have a quick update. Um, so yeah, as always, you can follow us at Off Topic Podcast on Facebook. Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee, right? June sixteenth. June sixteenth is Father's Day, mm-hmm. but it's in the morning. Mm-hmm. Bring your dad. Probably more likely to bring your dad to Cars and Coffee than bringing your mom because the last one's on Mother's Day. Yeah, it's funny they both out of both weekends this year. Yeah, you're welcome to. But yeah, I don't know if anybody took us up on it. Um, I won't be there. So good. 
It'll, Sorry. Be, it'll be a better show. It'll be Brad All shows are better without Colts. <laughs> I'll be yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be at Cars and Coffee in Arizona somewhere. Um Yeah. So follow us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast, Auto Off Topic on Instagram, me, Race and Anger on Instagram. Brad, where can they find you? TSISS350 on Instagram. All right. Keep cars analog and go to Cars and Coffee. Without me. Aim for the roses.